0: The tribal movement that gained momentum throughout the country now found its course through northeastern India. The British had pledged to withdraw after the First Balma War from Assam. Instead, with the Treaty of Yandabu, Assam was included under company jurisdiction. As a result, while there was an apprehension of peace amongst the people, after a long period of chaos and lawlessness, people of rank were presumably unhappy with their importance reduced to an extent of loss. Hi, this is Kaushik Mazumdar, and today, in this concluding part of the peasant and tribal movement episode, we will journey through the northeastern India to get a view of the movement. With the East India Company in power, the ruling Aham monarchy was also stripped of its social privileges. The feudal rulers lost their relevance to the colonial rulers. Soon the company, who once was an ally in driving out the Burmese from Assam, soon became their enemy and supporters of the monarchy began to organize themselves to restore the old Aham Monarchy and oust the British. In 1828, Aham Prince Gomdar Konovar, his colleague Dhananjay Barguhain and their followers rose in revolt against the British occupation of Assam. But his ambitions were soon Suppressed by Lieutenant Rutherford and his army. After the rebels lost, he fled to Naga Hills only to be arrested and sentenced to death by the British. The sentence was subsequently commuted to seven years of imprisonment in Rangpur, whereafter no more information is available about Gomdhar Konawar. Finally, The company decided to follow a conciliatory policy and handed over Upper Assam to Maharaja Purandar Singh Narendra and part of the kingdom was restored to the Assamese king. Also, the tracks of the Khasi revolt can be traced back to the acquisition of Lower Assam. David Scott conceived the plan of connecting Assam with Silet by road through the Khasi hills. Accordingly, Scott managed to receive consent from Siam of Nongkalao Tirath Singh. Little did Tirath Singh know that this was just the beginning. Soon a lot of men from different Indian states as well as British people were brought in to build the road and as the area was tactfully included under company jurisdiction British Army took the charge. Inhabitants of Kashi Hills were displeased with the whole thing and extended their concern to Tirath Singh who, by this time, figured out the ploy of company. Tirath Singh, together with nearly 30 Khashi chiefs pledged to oust the British from not only Khashi, Jantihins, but also from plains of Assam. Supported by the chief of Barmanik for almost four years, from 1828 to 1829, Tirath Singh led the tribesmen to fight against the British. The British suppressed the revolt brutally. They burned down many villages. Still, when the people would not give up the whole territory, was put under an economic blockade by the company. This eventually forced the Khashi chiefs to surrender in 1832. Again in 1839, the hill tribe, Singhos, revolted against the British but with no results. But with no result. Alike tribes from western Ghats, northwestern hills, Ho, Munda, Kol, Santals of Chotonakpur and surrounding area rose in rebellion against the British company and local landlords. Amongst numerous rebellions of that period in the area, coal mutiny of 1831 and Santhal rising were the fiercest ones. The East India Company soon after grabbed the administrative rights besides increasing the taxes to the extreme and also imposed restrictions on the use of forest produce. This forced the tribals whose livelihood was dependent on the forest to shift to agriculture. But with the influx of non-tribals, the sons of soils also lost the right of their own land. Soon the tribals were reduced to being landless agricultural laborers. Also, with the infiltration of the outsiders, the tribals got ranked under the lowest ranks of society, which was not even theirs. Taking advantage of the situation, the British introduced moneylenders into the tribal areas which led to severe exploitation of the local tribals and turned them into bonded laborers. Coles were one of the tribes inhabiting the Chhotanakpur area, who lived in complete autonomy under their traditional chiefs before the British took charge of the area. Soon, they were subject to different degrees of atrocities. Their land were forcefully taken off from them and given to the shikhs, Patans, etc. To begin with, protests by the coals of Chotonakpur were peaceful. In one incident, on the 11th December 1831, they protested with the headcount of 200 cattle without inflicting any violent action against authority. But as the raids, exploitations and tortures continued, they were joined by other tribes From neighboring areas. Soon the movement became a violent one and started spreading like wildfire. Though initially the tribesmen revolted against the British and the moneylenders, eventually they started attacking everyone who was outsiders to them. Irrespective of their race, sect or even nationality. Many non-tribals lost their lives in the subsequent attacks and their properties were burnt to ashes. This armed resistance went on for two years before it was brutally crushed by the British, employing troops from Calcutta and Benaras. Adding to its core values and bravado, Santal Rebellion probably earns its distinguished place in history. Due to its timing, while different regions were gearing up to fight against the British, two years before the Sipoy mutiny of 1857, Santals of Rajmahal rebelled against the Barbaric Permanent Settlement Act of 1793 of the British Raj. After going through the years of the aforementioned tribal movements, I think we all can understand the situation the Santals must have been in. The rebellion was headed by the four brothers of the Murmu clan, Sidhu, Kanu, Chad, and Voira, and their two sisters, Fulo and Janu. They belonged to a clan of Santhali priests. Sidhu Murmu claimed that he had a divine revelation that oppression can only be overthrown by armed rebellion. The brothers sent emissaries across neighboring villages with shawl branches as a secret form of communication. On 7th July 1855, the Santas declared themselves free and took an oath under the leadership of Sidhu Murmu and Kanu Murmu to fight till their last breath against the British and their agents. To give an account of how committed they were to the oath, Let's just refer to the account of W. W. Hunter. It was not war. They, the Santals, did not understand yielding. As long as their national drums beat, the whole party would stand, allowing themselves to be shot down. In another description, Hunter mentions a magistrate asked them, Santals, to surrender. In response. A quiver of arrows came out from a cottage of the Santals. He repeated his order to surrender once again, and another quiver of arrows came out with a clear target. The magistrate and his sepoys entered the house of the rebels. He found an old Santal, all in blood, but stood straight on his feet. A sepoy asked him to surrender, but the old rebel immediately cut off the head of the supply. There were killings on both sides. But how far the ancient weapons could pose resistance to the sophisticated firearms used by the English East India Company? Though Sidhu Kanu could unite more than 60,000 Santals to fight, but estimated 15,000 to 20,000 Santals of them were killed by the British. Fullo and Jhana Murmu entered the enemy camp undercover and killed 21 soldiers before they died. Both Sidhu and Kanu were arrested and executed. By the third week of February 1856, most of the leading Santhals were captured and executed. The rebellion subsided at least in March 1856. Not only the rebellion was suppressed, But the company wanted to set an example about how they are going to treat the rebels under their rule. No wonder, the degree of atrocities did not know any limit. Tens of villages were crushed using elephants. Women were raped and killed, and even the children were not spared. Though the broad sense of ownership and resistance at the core of almost all of these revolts were similar. The difference is evident in their nature of agenda, leadership, allies and enemies even. Yet this can definitely be highlighted as the platform in making for the people from different socio-economic backgrounds to come together with a common sense of resistance towards the British long before the mutiny. We have mentioned only a few amongst the number of peasant and tribal movements from different parts of a country which was soon going to be a nation as our effort was to highlight the brimming sense of unity through the enmity towards the tyrant British company.